Tov, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Aliyah Day. I am glad, honored, joyful to be with you, everyone who is here and able to find us this morning. That's a blessing. So uh, today, as you probably have read in the little thread, that um, the live feed showed up when you searched in uh, YouTube for Lapid Judaism. It didn't show up anyplace else. So... That's a start because it wasn't showing up anywhere before. So uh, things are starting to get better, I guess. So Baruch Hashem for that. Welcome, Sue. Glad you're watching from Broken Arrow, California. Rachel, beautiful Rachel, watching from Tulsa. Glad you're here, my dear. Robin, welcome from Utah. Glad you're here this morning, Baruch Hashem. Lynn, welcome. Watching from our northern county there. Raphael, there he is. Welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Hadas, you as well. The Mighty Haver. Going a little cabin crazy, a little cabin fever going on there in paradise, but uh, Baruch Hashem. Glad you're, well, glad you're here. Shoshana, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Colin, watching from our desert region of Texas. Keturah, there she is. Welcome. Devorah, welcome. Jace, welcome. Glad you're here this morning. Welcome, everybody. Glad you are with us. I want everybody to do us a huge favor if you haven't done so already. Our Hazan, uh, Hal- uh, Halel Luga. Welcome, Joy. Glad you're here. Hadassah, our little daughter Hadassah. There she is. Oh. Stephanie, welcome. Watching from California. Diane, Charles. Look at all these beautiful people. Come on. Amy. Oh, everybody's finding us. Claire, even from South Af- Africa. But anyway... Our Hazan Hillel has a, a YouTube channel now, <clears throat> and uh, to promote his skill as a musician and songs and those kinds of things, but um, he needs a thousand subscribers. His goal is to reach a thousand subscribers at least. Whenever you do that, it um, it unlocks some some uh, capability for him, and so if you would. Go to Hillel's channel and subscribe, and be sure and click the little bell icon so that you can get updates. Hopefully, they'll send those out. Uh, I put a link to his channel in the description of this video, and I'll be uh, I'll be sharing that later on Facebook and promoting that and everything like that. I you know I've I've uh, uh, will be sharing that as well. So go to the link in the description and click on the Hazan's. Halel, the amazing Hazan Halel Lugo's channel. You'll be blessed for that. I uh, anticipate that we're going to have a service this Shabbat like we did last Shabbat. And my hope and prayer, according to all of our technical geniuses here at Sar Shalom Synagogue, which is beautiful, right, for you people joining me uh, for the first time, I am not by myself. I'm not videoing or taking this video in my living room or in my bedroom or in an upstairs closet. I'm actually in my office at a at a brick and mortar building uh, in Saginaw, Texas, and we have real life people. There are actually real human beings uh, who work for this synagogue, as I do, and who are part of our volunteer staff. And so we have lots of beautiful people. And so, according to Zal and Shlomo. And uh, Katura and all of our other uh, technical geniuses around here, uh, they say that we can actually get Hillel live during the service. 
from his studio, which is a block away from our synagogue. So uh, we'll see. Bezrat Hashem, that will happen. <clears throat> Lord knows you don't want me singing. One fine morning. Okay. Uh, also, tomorrow is Yom Kippur Katan. Tomorrow is Yom Kippur Katan. The fast, which is a complete fast, no food, no drink, is from dawn until Minka. Minka time is 5.15, plus or minus a, a minute or two. 5.15 is, is, is a Minka Katana. Um, Central Standard Time. So here in Fort Worth, it's 5.15. It might be a little bit different in your area. You can look that up and Google it if you want to find out when Minka Katana is, or if you just want to go by our time frame, 5.15 Central Time, whatever that translates in to uh, for you, you can just do the math there and figure that out. So uh, anyway, that's that's our uh, public service announcements. We are in the third Aliyah. It is on page uh, 551. 551. We are in capitulo dos and verso siete. That's for our Sephardic Jews out there. For Ashkenazi Jews, it's chapter 2 and verse 7. So let's read, shall we? If your offering is a meal offering in a deep pan, like a deep dish pizza, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall present to Adonai the meal offering that will be prepared from these. He shall bring it to the Kohen, who shall bring it close to the altar. The Kohen shall lift up a memorial portion from the meal offering and cause it to go up in the smoke on the altar, a fire offering, a satisfying room with Adonai. The remnant of the meal offering is for Aaron and his sons, most holy from the fire offering of Adonai. <clears throat> Any meal offering that you offer to Adonai shall not be prepared leavened, for you shall not cause it to go up in smoke from any leavening or fruit honey as a fire offering to Adonai. You shall offer them as a first fruit offering to Adonai, but they may not go up upon the altar for a satisfying aroma. You shall salt your every meal offering with salt. You know, a while back, it's been a, it's been quite a while actually, but I did a drosh a number of years ago on the salt covenant. Every offering that is uh, off that was offered in the temple was offered with salt. This is why we have a custom to sprinkle or dip our challah on Arab Shabbat in salt. Maybe some of you knew that, maybe you didn't. But uh, the way that we do it at uh, Chateau Griffon is that as we are passing the challah, or just before we actually say the bracha, actually, uh, the challah, we uh, sprinkle a little salt in our plate. And that way, when we take the piece of challah, we can uh, dip it in the salt and eat it. And that all, and that, the reason we do that, and other people have different customs, they sprinkle it on top or what have you. <clears throat> Sometimes uh, Rebetzin will, will bake the challah with uh, coarse salt uh, on top. But anyway, the reason we do that is, is, is because of this. It's symbolic, it's representative of uh, the offerings that were offered with salt and the salt covenant. Salt has some unique properties. It doesn't ever dissolve, so the covenant never ends. Uh, salt has uh, preserving power. Uh, back in the olden days, um, when Menashe was a sailor um, on the USS Constitution, 
they didn't have refrigeration. And so they used salt to preserve stuff, uh, like vegetables and things of that nature. You pack them in salt, and basically it preserves them, and, and it also has... Um, uh, it keeps bugs away, right? The the bugs, the germs, and so on. So it has like a healing effect. Salt has a healing effect. Uh, salt has a cleansing effect. So there's lots of things about salt that translate into uh, metaphors for a divine service. <clears throat> so it says, um, you may not discontinue the salt of your God's covenant from upon your meal offering. So that highlights the importance. The importance, right? The importance. Or your every offering shall you offer salt. When you bring a meal offering of the first grain, Adonai, from ripe ears parched over fire, ground from pulp kernels, shall you offer the meal offering of your first grain. You shall put oil on it and place frankincense on it, a meal offering. The Kohen shall cause its memorial portion to go up in smoke from its flour and its oil as well as its frankincense, a fire offering to Adonai. That's the uh, third reading, the third aliyah of uh, Vayikra. I want to begin this morning by sharing some insights. Pardon me. A little allergy. Something in the air. Uh, I want to share some insights from what I was sharing yesterday about Ketoret. I didn't get a chance to... Uh, Share a couple of things specifically on the uh, COVID-19 response. Hopefully all of you saw that. <clears throat> and uh, I think it's very important um, that we do everything we can to take advantage of this opportunity God has given us with the COVID-19. But I want to talk about Minka and uh, Kator just for a moment. So Minka, the Minka prayer is considered in Judaism, as I said yesterday, to be really a, a unique and special prayer and really the most important prayer time of all. One of the reasons for that is because uh, when we daven shakarit, typically <clears throat> that's when we, we do that first thing in the morning before our day really gets going, really gets underway. When we daven uh, in, in the evening, we daven mari or we say the bedtime shema, things are kind of... Uh, 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 winding down, there's usually not a whole lot going on, but Minka takes place really in the middle of your day. And so there's a lot that, been, that has been written about Minka, and I encourage you to actually do two things uh, as part of your study time, since many people have downtime and, you know, uh, that type of thing. You can study about Minka, and you can also study about um, Ketoret. I think it's a very interesting study, but you'll find that <clears throat> the idea is, is that when we stop to pray Minka, which is the most, it's the most important time to pray. It's the most powerful time to pray, actually, spiritually. And it's also the most difficult time to pray because you have to stop what you're doing. And many of us know that when you're in the middle of something, no matter what it is, you've really got kind of business on your mind or you have chores on your mind or you have stuff going on. It's really challenging to say, you know what, I'm going to stop for about 15 minutes, and I'm going to pray Minka. And yet, it's the most powerful time. And so isn't it interesting that Hashem put the most powerful time to pray Minka uh, in the middle of the day? Now, <clears throat> the other thing I want to say is that I, I mentioned yesterday that 
you have the lamb in the morning and the lamb in the evening. The lamb in the morning is shakarit, that represents shakarit. The lamb in the evening is minka. And so Yeshua is the lamb of the evening. He, in other words, he's the yakidah. He's the final off. When it talks about Yeshua being the final offering, it doesn't mean that he ends all offerings because A, that didn't happen. And B, when when we have the third temple, maybe soon in our time, there will be offerings again. So Yeshua didn't end the offerings. What it meant is that there will not be another Akida. He is the last of the sons, uh, the images of the Father offered up on Mount Moriah for the atonement of our sins. Okay, So all offerings point to him. And there's actually an insight. I don't know if we'll get to it today, but there's an insight from Rabbi Monk that says that explicitly. But what's also interesting, knowing that fact, <clears throat> is that we we get Minka, we get Shakarit from from Abraham. He's the one who instituted Shakarit. We get Marif from Jacob. What's interesting is we get Minka from Isaac. So so this is another illustration of why Minka is so powerful because the the son, the image of the father offered up on Mount Moriah for the forgiveness of our sins is the one who gave us Minka to begin with. So isn't that fascinating that the, this is another reason why Minka is so powerful is because it was given to us by the son who laid his life down for our atonement. And it speaks, of course, of the son, the king of Israel, who laid his life down to give us atonement. So uh, a couple people, or at least one person anyway, was a little confused about what I was trying to say as far as what we were supposed to daven with Minka. And it's, it's fairly simple. Basically, during this, during this time, what we need to be doing is we need to be praying the Corbinote service coupled with Minka in the afternoon, particularly the ketoret, the incense, because, uh, as has been brought down in the insights, ketoret, followed by Psalm 145, which is part of Minka, those, that is a powerful combination that Moses was taught at Mount Sinai would repel plagues. Yep, that's true. So, you know, it's interesting that everybody's running around trying to figure out, you know, how to get rid of a plague. Well, uh, isn't it fascinating that 3,000 years ago, the angel of death taught the secret to Moses, and and the secret is Ketoret, coupled with Psalm 145 and Minka. So that's what we're going to do. Now, one more thing about this, and uh, I want to share this. Uh, I was looking for my... my reference here. This is from Psalm 141. Now, this is really, really a, a neat insight. There's so much about this. I actually took a picture of this when I'm about to read and put it on my Facebook page um, in the comments, I think, to the COVID-19 uh, link. So uh, you can see, you can read it in its entirety there. But <clears throat> this particular incense, uh, incense, excuse me, <laughs> insight, says, the letters of Keturit are an acrostic of terms that embody the loftiest Jewish values. So they're, they're an acrostic or an acronym, if you will, uh, Ketoret. And so here's there's four Hebrew letters in the word Ketoret. The Kuf, the Tate, the Resh, and the Tav. So the first letter is the Kuf, and this is what it, what it stands for. The Kuf is for Kedusha, Sanctity. 
The uh, Tate is for Tahara, purity. The Resh is for Rachamim, which is mercy. And the Tav is for Tikva, which is, or Tikva, which is hope. So if we look at the, the Ketoret, like why is the Ketoret so powerful when we, when we pray the, the uh, uh, Ketoret uh, uh, verses and so on? Why, why does it in, create such power? Well, because within Ketoret is, is sanctity or holiness, purity, mercy, and hope. Wow. So I just want to share that with you and um, let you know what an amazing blessing all of this is. Now, moving on to uh, further insights here. Let us, uh, let me start over here, I think. Um, about, yes, we'll go here back to uh, the Kehot Humash. And share an insight here from uh, the Kehot Humash about um, the small Aleph. So when you're looking at a Torah scroll and you open up to the book of Vayikra. Verse 1 says, Vayikra el Moshe ve'adaber Adonai elav mechoel moed le'amor. Now, the word Vayikra is spelled with five letters, Avav, Yud, Kuf, Resh, and Aleph. But when you're looking at the Torah scroll, the Aleph is written very, very small. Um, and so the question is naturally asked, because every letter in a Torah scroll has meaning, every space has meaning. Uh, the letters themselves are referred to as black fire. The blank spaces on a Torah scroll, where there are no letters, is referred to as white fire. And uh, the, the shape of the letter the, 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 in, in, and the size of the letter, everything has meaning. There's nothing that's just superfluous when it comes to God's divine Torah scroll. So the question becomes, why is the olive small? And so the Kehol Tchumash brings down an insight here. It says the olive of, of the word for he called Vaikram, the first word in the book of Leviticus, is written smaller than usual, alluding alluding to Moshe's humility even in the face of his own greatness and his selection by God for his exalted role in human history. Can you imagine, I mean, there have been great people in history, right? There have been great leaders in history. There have been people who have left their mark on the world, some in a good way, some in a bad way. But is there anybody quite like Moses? Somebody say, well, yeah, Rabbi Yeshua. I'm not talking about Mashiach. That's a whole different category. Okay, I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about the divine Messiah, the, the living Torah. I'm talking about a human being. Is there any human being that's done anything like Moses? You can imagine the level of uh, arrogance, God forbid, that could come up in somebody's soul. So it says here, in contrast, the Aleph in Adam's name, as the first word of the, of the book of Chronicles, is written larger than usual. So in the book of Chronicles, when it mentions Adam's name, that, that Aleph is written larger. So it says, 
<clears throat> alluding to Adam's self-esteem as the uh, as the beginning of God's creation. So it says, although it's it's both pos excuse me necessary and good to be aware of one's positive qualities, Adam allowed his self-esteem to uh, degenerate into conceit, and this caused his downfall. Uh, it says, Moses rectified Adam's mistake. He recognized his greatness, but nevertheless remained humble. His humility was not self-delusional, but the result of simple reasoning. I cannot take any credit for any of my gifts or accomplishments, he thought, since they all are God-given. Indeed, we were another person to have been given my potentials, he would have accomplished more and climbed to even greater heights than I have. He understood that the true humility does not mean de degenerating or excuse me, degrading oneself, but seeing the virtue in others. That's very true. Many people mistake humility and they think that humility means that you have to you have to uh think uh, ugly of yourself or, or uh, denigrate yourself. If somebody gives you a compliment and says, hey, I really like, that's a very nice dress. And you say, oh, this old thing. No, it's nothing. Instead of just saying thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's sometimes referred to as false humility when we have to denigrate ourselves. Uh, so it's okay to have confidence. It's okay to have self-esteem, as Moses did. But at the same time, we have to understand that whatever we have, whether it's uh, strength or intelligence or wisdom or good looks or the ability to play music or the ability to uh, speak well or to write well or to do or, or be a great uh, technician, whatever the case is, all of it comes from God ultimately. And as it says here, Moses had the attitude that, look, if somebody had the same gifts I, I have, then they would have even done better than I've done. And that is a, uh, a healthy way to think. So that's why the small olive is there. The small olive is a tribute to Moshe's um, uh, his, his proper placement of humility. Um, you know, I, I, I want to share this insight here about the Corbin of, of Isaac. It's talking about the Ola uh, Tami, the continual offering that was offered every morning. It says, The Midrash Rabbah answers that there is a special significance to the Ola from the flock, which makes it deserving of a fuller treatment. This is because the daily sacrifice is modeled after the Akidah Yitzhak, the offering of Isaac, as described in Genesis 22.7 and 22.13. Isaac himself took the place of the sacrificial lamb, and he in turn was replaced by a ram, both belonging to the category of Ola from the flock. So this is just an, an expression of the reality that the daily offering is a direct representation of the Akidah of Isaac. That's why it was offered in the morning. I uh, just want to share another insight here about that along those same lines. Uh, it says, because of the unique significance of this verse, it's been given a special place 
in our daily prayer service, talking about the offering of Isaac. Abraham's act of self-sacrifice cannot be considered uh, an inexhaustible source of blessing. Okay, so this is an interesting uh, insight here. That's, we, not to run past that statement is very important. Abraham's act of self-sacrifice, his offering of Isaac, is critical, but the sages point out that it is not everlasting. In other words, at some point, the atonement engendered by, by Abraham offering Isaac, at some point, that uh, treasure chest of atonement is going to run out of coins. Which naturally begs the question, when that happens, where and in whom do we find our atonement? Because every Yom Kippur, every Rosh Hashanah, we are asking God to forgive us based upon the offering of Isaac. Well, if that treasure chest runs out of coins, and by the way, at what point does that happen, or has it happened, that leaves us with nothing. My suggestion is, is that that treasure box had run out of coins about the time that Yeshua went to be crucified. So it says here, to go on with the, with the uh, inside, it says, the act must serve as a reminder that Adonai grants miracles only to the one that shows him absolute devotion. For those ready to sacrifice their lives in honor of God, miracles are performed. The others who are not prepared to make this sacrifice will not benefit from miracles. Barakot 20a. It is for this purpose that the continual offering was instituted morning and evening as an expression of the importance of devotion. The communal sacrifice was to be offered not only on the Shabbat and on the holidays, at the high points of our existence, but also and more especially each and every day, amid the normal events of our lives. A great truth, which must be repeated to Israel day after day, is that the Jew, uh, to be a Jew, means to be constantly ready for sacrifice. Constantly ready for sacrifice. This is why we have the Tamit, tamid offering uh, every day. Another insight here from Rabbi Monk, just to, uh, to point out um, uh, the importance here. Confession, he writes, constitutes the essential purpose of all sacrifices. We have to confess uh, our sins to Hashem, not to a priest, not to a rabbi, not necessarily even to your friends or your co-workers, uh, but to Hashem. I just want to point that out because that's a very, very powerful step. Very often when we confess our sins, that is a, uh, a power unto itself to, uh, to break the power of the sin, whatever that happens to be, uh, in our life. So <clears throat> why should we even study um, about the Corbinot, okay? Why should we even study about the Corbinot? This, this is a very in, uh, interesting insight from, again, from Rabbi Monk to Vayikram. It says, the laws concerning the sacrifice occupy a predominant place in both the Torah and the Talmud. Why? 
Well, because for all Jewish males, young and old, the study of the sacrifice is a major religious duty that constitute, continues rather to remain in effect. We continue to study the sacrifices. What is more, our sages recommend that little children begin their study of Torah with the chapters in Leviticus pertaining to the sacrifice. We talked about this when I introduced the book of Vayikra on the first day of the week, that, that this is where Jewish children begin their study. And, 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 and just to reiterate, it's sad because most people who believe in, in JC, they, they avoid uh, Vayikra like the plague. Why? Because they think it's boring and dull. And here they're, they're supposed to be believing in a sacrifice and they have no idea what sacrifice means from a Jewish point of view. So it says, by going into detail about laws carried out for only a brief period, the Torah is pursuing a specific objective. So here's the reason why we study. That objective is to foster a thorough study of these laws so that their spirit of purity and holiness will spread throughout the Jewish nation. To a certain extent, it says the study is a substitute for action. As Rabbi Yitzhak pointed out in Menachot 110a in the Talmud, study can sensitize the soul against the harm of sin. It raises men's hearts and minds to higher spheres of moral and spiritual purity. Isn't that true? When we study God's word, it inspires us to be better people. It inspires us to open up our hearts to serve God. That's why we study uh, the sacrifices. And as we study the sacrifice, Hashem considers as if we ourselves had offered the sacrifice. We are out of time, my friends, but we are not out of content. I have a lot more to say and a lot more to share, but we're going to have to do that tomorrow when we come back together for the fourth Aliyah. Remember that tomorrow is Yom Kippur Katan. It's the day before Rosh Hodesh. We have uh, the Yom Kippur uh, booklets online. I put those links out there so you can get this little booklet. Art Scroll is kind enough to make it available for free online. Um, and so we're going to be able to have that uh, and to share. We're going to we pray the Yom Kippur Katan service at Minka time tomorrow. It's a fast day from dawn until Minka. And it's a great opportunity. Let us take advantage. Somebody sent me a link yesterday, by the way, and then uh, that um, nothing's coincidental, right? The chief rabbi in Jerusalem encouraged a worldwide fast day that everybody take, take part in it uh, in response to COVID-19. Guess when? Tomorrow, Yom Kippur Katan. Selah. Shalom and blessings, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow for the fourth Aliyah. Have a great, wonderful day.